All right, how are we doing this morning? <clears throat> All right, well, if you want to open up your Bibles to James chapter 3. We're going to be James chapter 3, and like Mike said, just keep the Burfords in your prayers, um, you know, as much as you can. Um, but, you know, the Lord is in control. Uh, he is a great physician, and he will do his work. So James chapter 3, we're going to be in verses one through 12. And the title of this study, you know, I thought I was kind of clever when I, when, I, when I made it up. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always hurt me. Um, and so James in this portion, he's going to talk about um, the power of the tongue, you know, and how, and how much it affects our lives. And so I want you guys to do me a favor. I want you guys to think about a time when you maybe possibly said something to someone or to someone else said something to you that was, that was very powerful, that was, that was maybe hurtful or, um, or rude or something, I want you just to picture a moment in your head. And I want you to remember what happened after that, the, the repercussions, the, the possible pain that you caused someone, or, or the joy. For me personally, I, I remember a time when I was 13 years old. You know, when you're 13, you think you know it all, right? Um, and so I got in an argument with my dad, and I remember saying three very powerful words that, that really affected him that day, and I said, I hate you. And I could just see the, the shock, the hurt on his face. And I remember... Just, just seeing him. And I apologized multiple times that day. But I could never take those words back. I could never, I could never rewind time and, and, and suck those words back into my mouth. I said them already. And no matter how many times I apologize, it doesn't change the fact that my tongue was let loose. And so like I said, that's what James is going to talk about here, is the power of the tongue. And how we can control it. And also how we can lose control of it. So let's read the whole text. We're going to be in verses 1 through 12. And it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at the also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. A word of a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Verse 9, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the, out of the same mouth 
precede blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So this text is going to be broken up into four parts. Verses 1 through 2 is going to speak about how teachers, how leaders are held to a higher accountability when speaking the word of God. Verses 3 through 6 is going to speak about the power of the tongue. Verses 7 through 8 is going to speak about the difficulty in taming that tongue. And then in verses 9 through 12, it is going to speak about the contradiction of the tongue. So let's read verse 1 again. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So we see in verse 1 that James is telling us that these pastors, that these leaders are are held to a higher higher standard, a higher, a stricter judgment. And why is that? Because we as pastors, we as leaders, are shepherds of the flock, of the church. And we, also, and we need to lead the church the right way. You don't see a good shepherd leading, leading their sheep into a lion's den. You don't see them leading them off of a side of a cliff. No. A pastor is called to make sure that his flock, that his church, that the church has everything they need to thrive, to succeed in their walks with the Lord. And that means that we're not leading them astray, that we're not speaking false doctrine, that we're not misinterpreting the word of God. Because when we do that, we're leading God's children away from what the truth really is. And that is where the stricter judgment comes in. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says this, but he who did not know yet committed these committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So that is Jesus talking in that verse in, in the book of Luke, that it is so easy for a leader to take the position of a teacher, of a leader, of a pastor, very lightly, and doesn't consider the cost, the repercussions that, that, can, that can happen if we, as leaders, as Christians, can, the, the repercussions that we can have if, we, if we're speaking falsely, if we're not leading the right way. There isn't a higher accountability to that, you guys. But we also, I don't want you to think that this is just all negative. We also see the amazing calling that it can be, the privilege that it can be to be a leader in the church. We can see the amazing fruit that it can bear. A lot of, I mean, me personally, I believe a lot of people in this world, in this church even, want to be, want to have a leadership role. They like, you, you like to kind of have a say-so. You like to be a leader, right? And why do we think that is? Because it's a position of trust, of, of value. People, we were, we were made to follow. We were made to be led. And people, when they have a leader who is confident, 
who is trustworthy, who, who they know they can come to with issues. That's a man who they want to follow. That's, that's, the, that's the people that we should strive to be. People see a difference in us as Christians. They'll see that, that leadership, that confidence that we have in the Lord, and they will come. They will, they will come to you. And as they come to us, we should also be coming to the Lord. We should be drawing near to the Lord and being led. Just as we lead others, we should be ourselves led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So James is keep is he keeps it real with us right here in this verse. He knows, he, he's acknowledging that we all stumble. We all mess up. Because we're flesh. We were born sinners. We were unfortunately fallen creatures. But isn't it encouraging you guys to know that someone, a man of God like James, and in fact every other person in the Bible besides Jesus Christ, can relate to the struggles that we go, to every day, go through every day. To me, it's very encouraging because you've seen, there are some amazing God-fearing men and women in this Bible. And to know that they are just like us, it shows that because of Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome our tongue. We can overcome the trials that we face in this world. That should be an encouragement to us, you guys. We should find confidence in that. And then we see in the latter part of verse 2, that James is speaking of, of spiritual maturity. He says, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. To not stumble in the word. To live it. That is a sign of real maturity. James, James, in James chapter 1, it says to, to not be um, just a hearer of the word, but doer also. When we live that word, you guys, when we, when we are constantly in it, that is when we have that spiritual maturity. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, it says this, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And that should be our goal. That should be what we're about, to restrain, to control ourselves. As leaders of the church, as as doers of the word out there, as a church itself, as children of God, we should be especially conscious of what comes out of our mouth when we are around other people. Because not just leaders, but also us as Christians have a stricter judgment. We are called to a higher calling than other people in this world. Verses 3 through 4 says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So now James is, pitch, is, is giving us an illustration of, of the power that our tongue can have. 
He speaks about how um, a bit in a horse's mouth, you guys know what a bit is, right? It's, a, it's probably a three or four inch piece of metal that you stick in a horse's mouth. And that little bit can control that whole horse. When you put the reins on it, and you can pull it left, you can pull it right, you can have it stop, you can make it go. That little piece has the power to control that big, strong animal. And then he talks about how a ship, you guys see those ginormous cruise ships that we have nowadays, right? And yet, uh, a little part, maybe a hundredth of the size of that ship, has the power to direct it anywhere that you, that you want it to go. And in the same way, you guys, that little muscle in our mouths has the power to, to change lives to direct, to turn away, to destroy, to encourage. That little muscle has the power to do all that. It's a scary thought to know that we have that much power. But then James goes on in verse 5 and he encourages us. He says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Like I said, yeah, our tongue can be very dangerous. But we can do many great things with that. It can be also a gift. Many great men and women in the church, and even in this world, have spoken words that have changed people's lives for the better in their walks with the Lord. And in the same way, each of us, each and every day, we have a choice, we have a chance as followers and as disciples of Christ to impact other people's lives. To speak his name, to speak his word, to turn others to him. You know, hey, that sounds good and fine, JJ, but how can we do that? By letting ourselves be led by the Lord, by letting him speak through us. It should never be our words when we speak the Lord's name. It should never be us speaking, because if it is, we're just going to mess up and fall flat on our face. It is only through the word of God, and it's only through him, that if we draw near to him, and he draws near to us, he promises in his word that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. That's how we can be better. The Lord promises that in his word, that when we draw to him, he comes to us. There was an old couple driving in an old truck. And you know in those old trucks, they had just the one row of seats. There's no dividers in it like there is nowadays. It's just a whole row. And you have three seats in the front. And so this, this old couple, this husband and this wife, they're driving. And as they're driving, the wife is looking around at all the other cars. And she notices that all these couples, they're sitting together. They're sitting side by side. The wife is holding on to the husband's arm. They're talking. They just look completely in love. And the, husband, uh, and the husband's driving, and the wife is looking around. She, sees, she looks to her left, and she sees the empty spot in between her and her husband. She says, hey, babe, why is it that all these other couples are, are sitting close together, but we're not? How come we're not together? And he simply looks at her and he just says, 
It wasn't me who moved to the next seat. It wasn't me who moved away. God is in that driver's seat, you guys. He is directing us where we need to go. But are we like that woman who's moving away? Or are we sitting right next to him, holding on to him, clinging to him and letting him lead us and direct us? So, at the, so as we move on to, into the next part of verse 5, it says, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by how? So we had a little bit of encouragement, and then James goes right back to slapping us in the face. So, and he tells about, talks more about the destructive power that the tongue can have. So like the title says, you know, the, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names or words will never hurt me. Yeah, that, that, that's, that phrase is a lie. Because words hurt. Things that we say hurt and impact people. Proverbs chapter 26 Verses 18 and 19 says this, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. When I read that verse, it's very, it's, it's eye-opening. It's kind of scary. It's a wake-up call. A little cold water in the face. To know that, that words, that the words that I speak can have so much power to, to do evil, destructive things. It makes you really think. It makes you really think about what you say. It should make you think and take into account of the words that come out of your mouth. But it also encourage you of the good things that can happen. We see the destructiveness of what words can do. But think also about the things that we can do for the Lord. Zayden's a great example. His tongue, he uses it for worshiping the Lord every morning, every Sunday, every Wednesday. We see Matt, he's out, out as a missionary right now, speaking the name, speaking the name of the Lord to others. I was at Bible, when I was at Bible college, we'd have groups of kids who would go downtown Hollywood and would speak, and they would street preach to, to others who didn't know that. Our tongue is so capable, you guys, not just of destruction. But I want to encourage you, it can also be used for so many great things that the Lord, for the Lord. We can use our tongue to honor and glorify every day. We can choose that. Verse 7 and 8, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. So now James is jumping into the, how hard it is to tame that little muscle in your mouth. So James is now, he's, he's illustrating another picture for us. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed 
and has been tamed by mankind. Have you guys ever been to a zoo? I'm sure you guys have. You know, all those creatures have been have been tamed, have been have been controlled by mankind. You have those. The lions, tigers, bears. Oh my. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you have all these powerful creatures that the Lord, that James is showing us that we can tame that. We can control that. But then he says, no man can tame the tongue. Yeah, we can control lions. We can control all these powerful creatures, but we can't control this little muscle inside of our mouth? Yes. Jesus Christ was scorned. He was mocked. He had every right to let his tongue, his words loose. But did he? No. Because through the power of his Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to control it. We who call ourselves Christians, meaning little Christs, we call ourselves like Christ. Should we not do the same thing? Should we not let the Lord lead us to control ourselves, to control our tongues? Constantly surrounding ourselves with, with good fellowship, ironing, sharpening iron, exhorting each other. Constantly cons- surrounding ourselves with the word of God, with worship, with prayer. That's how we can let the Lord lead us. That's how we can control our tongues. You know, when we hang around certain people, we kind of adapt a certain way to them, right? We kind of change the way we talk because someone else is talking a certain way. Well, if we're constantly hanging out with Jesus, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think our speech is going to be like our tongue? I think it's going to be more like Christ. Moving on to verses 9 through 12. So now James is starting to, he's going to start encouraging us now. Enough, enough slapping in the face. Now he's going to start encouraging us. He says, with it, meaning our tongue, we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh so it gives us a little encouraging in the beginning of verse 9. With it, we bless our God and Father. Father, But then now he starts talking about the contradiction as well with, with our tongue. And this is where we're going to close this morning. And so we see in verse 9, with it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have made, been made in the similitude of God. One minute we can be honoring God and worshiping him. And then we leave this building and what comes out of our mouth? You know, I've been guilty of that many a times. Where you're, you're a Christian on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings, and the rest of the time your, your mouth is everywhere. Cursing your brethren. We should always 
you guys be be constantly controlling ourselves through the Lord, through the Word, through the Lord. Verse ten: Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So we're seeing more contradiction of the tongue. And I love how clear James makes it. So easy to understand. Because he knows the struggle. He can relate. And we see in these verses that one minute we can be praising Jesus, the next, you fill in the blank. We cannot be that way. We cannot be hypocritical. We cannot contradict ourselves. Saying one thing and doing another. Consistency. Consistency in the word. Letting the Lord leading us every day. That's how we can control ourselves. Just as there is consistency, as James is saying in these verses, in, in, in nature, nature is consistent. You know, like, like he's saying, you, know, you don't get an apple tree and grow oranges on it. Same way, Christian doesn't curse, doesn't blaspheme. Nature is consistent. Our spiritual nature, we should be consistent. Consistent in the Lord. Consistent in what we do, how we live. It's like we were talking about a couple weeks ago in First Peter. People see. People watch us. Oh, they're Christians? Let's, let's wait for them to do something bad so that we can just start criticizing him. Let's just wait for him to snap. I had a friend who was telling me how one day in high school he was, everyone knew he was a Christian. Everyone knew how, how sad he was in that. And, and one day he finally said something. He finally snapped. And the guy came up to him and he said, thank you for proving me right. Guys, this world is waiting for us to mess up so that they can jump all over us so they can blaspheme the name of the Lord and so they can say to this world, I told you so. They are all hypocrites. They are all fakes. Guys, we serve a very real God in a very real and dark time. And so I encourage you this morning as you leave, every day, Dig into the word. Be consistent with that. Every day pray. Abide. Exhort each other. And exhort yourself with the word of God. And I can guarantee you, as you hang out with Jesus more, you will become like Jesus more. And I think that's everyone's ultimate goal here, right? We want to be like Christ. Our tongues, yes, they can be dangerous, but they can also be one of our greatest and most powerful weapons and gifts. And we can use that to reach out to others. Let's pray. Father God, as we just close out this morning, Father.
we just pray that we would be consistent in you, that we would constantly abide, and that through that we would be able to control ourselves, or that we would show others, that we would show this world that, Lord, you are real. There is nothing fake about who you are or what you do. Lord, I pray that we would just be disciples of you, Lord, and that we would go out and make disciples. Lord, that we would be lights in this dark world and our words can be used to glorify and honor you, Lord. And so I pray that as we just leave this building, Lord, as we start another week of of work or, or school, Lord, I pray that we would just be a witness to our friends, to our families, Lord, to, to people around us. And that they would notice a difference, that they would be attracted to that. And that with our words and with our actions, we can honor and glorify you and lead people to your kingdom. So Lord, we ask that you would just be honored and glorified this morning, this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.